The day we're releasing this story into the world is the exact day one year ago that Berkeley Rep last had artists on its stage. It's a painful anniversary. So many have lost so much. And losing our ability to gather together to make sense of all of this has been a particular challenge for theater makers and theater goers everywhere. A theater that can't welcome people is like a boat with no water, suspended in an unnatural state. We never in a million years thought we'd see an entire year without live performance. However, it's given us a visceral understanding of how much we miss it. And a fierce determination to come back stronger than ever. That day is getting closer and more real, and it can't come soon enough. In the meantime, we're going to continue sharing stories with you, and we hope you'll share them with us as well. Email us at placesettings at berkeleyrep.org with your small plates, stories of your own special places in a hundred words or less. And while this is the last episode of Place Settings Berkeley, we're happy to announce that a new round of stories is planned for Oakland in the coming months. Our bodies pass through the space of other people's stories all the time. We asked 10 writers to think of a place within the city of Berkeley where something meaningful or memorable happened to them, and then to write a story inspired by that place. Some are fact, some are fiction, and some live somewhere in between. I'm Joanna Felzer, Artistic Director of Berkeley Rep. And I'm Madeline Oldham, Dramaturg and Co-Sound Designer. This week on Berkeley Rep's Place Settings, we bring you a story of hidden kindness, taking place in the Berkeley Rep Courtyard between the two theaters, where stories endure, ghosts are alive, and generosity is everywhere. If you were reading the story on paper, you would see a dedication from the writer at the beginning of it that reads, for Mark Blum and all the actors we've lost to COVID, and for all the furloughed or let go workers, and for the promise and hope that we'll all come back and do our work again. The Character Actor by Sarah Rule, directed by Les Waters, read by Charles Shaw Robinson. Now, some of you may know my face. It's one of those faces people recognize but can't quite place. Maybe you've seen me in a movie, or maybe you've seen me here in a play before. You looked me up later on one of those search engines, and my character didn't even have a name. Still, I'm recognizable. I am what is known as a character actor, which means not leading man material. It's not that I'm not handsome. I clean up well. But more that I never thought handsomeness was a dependable enough quality to really have confidence in it. I'm one of the ones who can slip in and out of the margins. You might embarrass yourself at a party by thinking, we've met. But no, it's that you saw me in that vaguely forgettable movie. I started off in community theater, that magical place where businessmen played dentists and dentists played businessmen. And I worked myself up through regional theater, to the occasional guest spot on Law & Order, a couple of Broadway roles. If you are a true theater zealot, not just dragged there occasionally by the zealot friend, but one of the true believers, you might know me by name. 
I headlined a couple of shows back in the day. They weren't the greatest shows, maybe. Forgettable. But the companies in those shows, oh, how we loved one another. Our love for each other. We were the masterpieces. You know, a lot of us were never in it for the fame, or even, with apologies, for the audience. We were in it to be near each other, because our job was going to work every day to make each other laugh. At any rate, I died recently. I died of the plague racing across the world. Obituaries were run. I could see from my invisible perch friends and family crying. They cried by themselves in their kitchens. No funeral to have a gut-wrenching cry while music played and speeches were given. I tried to comfort them from where I am, but it felt like shouting into the wind. I found that if I tried, I could float. Well, float is not really the word. Move. Move my mind, which is a thing I can see with now. I don't need eyes to see now. <laughs> Isn't it marvelous? I've been watching all of you for the past year from my perch, and it's another kind of theater. Watching you eat, watching you talk to each other in those little boxes, and you make your bed so hopefully in the morning, waiting for the sleep to come at night. Anyway, I could move my mind which could see to my favorite places. You might say my favorite haunts, but I don't think of myself as a ghost, more a mind that can see. So I went to the theater first. It broke my heart to see all those empty theaters. I visited the Cincinnati Playhouse in the park, the Second Stage Theater in New York City, the San Francisco Playhouse, and finally I visited this courtyard in this theater right here, where living plants remind us that theater is a living thing and needs water and air to survive. The green room where we waited for our cues is just up these stairs. We would nap on those soggy couches, and everything smelled vaguely of food that had just been eaten. I realized that I'd left a few of my things behind in the dressing room. Everything was just as I'd left it. I looked in the mirror, and there was no reply. I put all my ritual objects, the ones I use for good luck before going on stage, in this little bag on that table. You will find, if you examine it, a little fabric onion that my high school drama teacher gave me because I was in a production of Romeo and Juliet and I was afraid that I could not cry. An actor friend gave me a shark tooth and I keep that with me for good measure. This is the same friend who put toilet paper up his nose to change the shape of his face for a particular role, kind of like how Brando put cotton in his cheeks. One day my actor friend couldn't find the toilet paper up his nose and he assumed it fell out. Then he smelled a rank smell all the time, everything rotten smelling. Turned out the toilet paper was lodged up there, 
and he had to go to the ER to get it pulled out. <laughs> oh, the things we actors go through for you. Sometimes I put a feather in my underwear. You'll see that feather there, too. I took all my ritual objects, and I thought about taking my toiletries, too, but decided to leave them behind for someone else who might need them. Then I decided they might still have my germs on them, so maybe I should throw them out as a public service. Then I went to the green room to make myself a cup of tea. Remarkably, it still smelled vaguely of food that had just been eaten, though it had been months. And the scent of food is helpful to the dead. We can inhale it, and that makes us full. So thank you, Sarah Rose, or Michael, or Amy, or whoever it was for that burned microwave pizza smell that was still lingering. Oh, it fed me. It really did. It was so quiet in the green room. No one there. No one napping. No one putting on makeup in the dressing room. No one noodling around on the piano. The same cups that seemed a little dirty were still there in the sink. But I could no longer seem to wash a cup. I couldn't understand how it was that I could still put on a kettle, could still put my objects in a little tote bag, but could not seem to lift up a dirty cup to clean it. Maybe the dead are only allowed to touch their own items? Hmm. I don't know all the rules yet. I'm trying to learn. I came down the staircase, and I found all of you here. You're not exactly a teeming crowd, but you all seem to be breathing together, and that is, oh, it is mesmerizing. I might have to watch you for a little while. Was it ever more clear that the props, the sets, the budgets were all placeholders? The miracle was having an excuse for people to gather. But audiences don't like to be watched, do they? They like to listen. If I told you a story or two, maybe the rest of us would come back. The dressers, the wig masters, the stage managers, the ushers. Some of them dead now, too. Some laid off. Some moved outside the city to greener climes. There was something I wanted to tell you now. I, I seem to have forgotten. What do I have to give you now but stories? Can't seem to remember the stories. But I was loved here, in this place. I can tell you that much. 
I was loved. This story was written by Sarah Rule, a Brooklyn-based playwright, essayist, and poet who is a MacArthur Award recipient, a two-time Pulitzer Prize finalist, and a Tony Award nominee. Her long-standing relationship with Berkeley Rep began in 2004 with Eurydice and has spanned several productions and multiple commissions. The director, Les Waters, lent his immense talents to this project. He and Sarah have a long history of making magical productions together. Les is the former associate artistic director at Berkeley Rep and the former artistic director of Actors Theatre of Louisville. He lives in Berkeley. Our reader was Charles Shaw Robinson, who has performed in Sarah's Eurydice and for Peter Pan on her 70th birthday at Berkeley Rep in many, many theaters all over the Bay Area and the country. He's from San Francisco. And a special thanks goes out from Sarah to Maria Dizia and Jessica Hecht. A giant thank you to Kika Women's Vocal Ensemble based in Oakland, who make incredibly gorgeous music inspired by traditional songs and vocal techniques from Eastern Europe and Eurasia. You can find their beautiful piece, Lamentation, featured in this story on their album, The Rusalka Cycle, Songs Between the Worlds. Special thanks also to Andrew John, a neuroimaging consultant slash pianist who kindly lent us his rendition of Eric Satie's Trois Gymnopédies. Berkeley Rep thanks our Rep on Air sponsor, the Bernard Osher Foundation, and our place-setting sponsor, Berkeley Side. We're deeply grateful to Berkeley Rep season sponsors, Bruce Golden and Michelle Mercer, Francis Hellman and Warren Breslau, Jack and Betty Schaefer, the Strout-Colhangian family, Bart, and Pete's Coffee for their generous support. This series is produced by Berkeley Repertory Theater. Sound designed by Lane Elms and Madeline Oldham. Our theme music is by Buen Aurelio Malazar. You can find him on Bandcamp. Though this story marks the end of our 10-episode series, Place Settings Berkeley, stay tuned for Place Settings Oakland, coming soon to a pair of headphones near you.